thankful for the heater that's on? Say amen. Amen. Yeah, well, okay. We'll leave it on then. <laughs> Let's turn to page 109 and get your spirits warmed up. Get your bodies warmed up to match your spirit anyway. 109, right on, right on, in majesty. Doesn't sound familiar, just think of the tune to I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, same same tune. All four verses.
Lead me. 
right as the musicians find their way down, lift your hand up if you want a prayer card from Janie. Onliners, get yours into BBF Ohio at protonmail.com. As getting the prayer cards out, silence your cell phone ringers. Everybody, Bethany Pettigrew, I hope you feel better. So, how many of you came from the north? I think technically. I mean, north of Worthington. We're slightly north. Yeah, anybody north had to deal with a lot worse roads than the rest of us. It was bad. So, glad that the join has made it safe. Mm-hmm. Brian? Brian wants a prayer card. Oh, okay. oh, I was going to say, I was thinking you were south. The Legos are out. <laughs> you guys hear any clinking? There's snow drifts. What you have to watch going home. All right. How are we back there, Sean? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I hear you all right. Well, we're going to be in Acts 12, if you want to get your Bibles open. Welcome. I already mentioned welcome the onlineers. We got some folks on me. We hopefully Pedro can hear me. It's good to have see them and see the video of them taking the eyeballs to the zoo lights. If you haven't seen that video, it's very cute. Aw, thank you. Of course, we're just talking about Arlene. But... I know. Of course. <laughs> well, well the rest of it must not have been too bad. It wasn't too bad. <laughs> I mean, nobody ran away in terror. Yes. In Columbus, Ohio, you'd have to be a real freak to cause that, you know. Columbus has its share of wild creatures, and I'm not talking about animals. <laughs> so, all right. Hold your questions and comments to the end of the current events update. We've been uh, giving a short recap of the Israel war with Hamas each week, or actually each service, as of 1-14-24. That was yesterday's stats, the most recent I could get. Today is actually 100 days since the Hamas terrorists, the Islamists, who are just doing what Muhammad did, uh, went into the southern Israel uh, peaceful territory, uh, slaughtered a couple thousand people, took uh, hundreds hostage, raped and murdered and killed it's just an amazing display of satanic rage. And uh, Israel has responded the way they ought to. And uh, there's still, though, 136 unaccounted for they are supposing are hostages. It's just my guess that a lot of those are actually dead. And what they'll get back are bodies and not people that are still alive. And uh, as they said, every minute matters in the fight to return hostages. As the world's crying out for the Jews and Israel to stop fighting, 
They're not even mentioning the hostages. Anybody who says anything about the war in Israel and doesn't demand the return of the hostages is a devil with skin. That goes for your own mother if she's doing it. So sick of this. These people crying out about the Jews defending their borders and the same people who cry about it the most couldn't care less about the 136 Jews and others, not even Jews, there's some that aren't Jews, but citizens of Israel or some were just visiting and are still being held hostage. So keep that in mind as you hear the uh, propaganda. Meanwhile, the genocidal Marxist government of South Africa are rabidly anti-Israel. The uh, South African uh, uh, majority uh, is black, and they overcame the uh, minority rule of the whites, who were basically from England. I, I believe most of them came from England. And it was a bad situation. It's gone worse. It's worse now than it was under the apartheid. And the, the slaughter that's taking place in that country. And of course, uh, you know, if it were Jews doing what they're doing in South Africa, you'd hear about it every day on the news. But since it's not Jews, they don't care. Um, this is just an example of things going on regularly. Uh, South Africa has stripped a Jewish cricketer, that's a sport, uh, of captaincy. He's no longer allowed to be the captain because he supports Israel. And that's just the most recent example of the Jew hate in South Africa. Um, they are under Islamic moneyed influence, by the way. A lot of the money going into the South African government is from Muslims, Islam. And uh, they took their accusation of genocide to an international court that was established because of the genocide of Jews. Think of that. Because of the Holocaust and the genocide of Jews, in 1948 they established this court, and now they take Israel to court accusing them of genocide, and again, those devils with skin don't mention the hostages and are not demanding that the hostages be released. Israel has laid out its defence against genocide accusations before the International Court of Justice. It comes after South Africa claimed that Israel violated the Genocide Convention through its ongoing attacks against Hamas. First, a core of genocide is intent. Without intent, there can be no genocide in law. Israel defending itself on the second and final day of hearings at the International Court of Justice refuting claims by South Africa that its response to the attacks on October 7th violates the 1948 Genocide Convention. The sitting is open. It is respectfully submitted that the application and re request should be dismissed for what they are, a libel designed to deny Israel the right to defend itself according to the law from the unprecedented terrorist on onslaught it continues to face and to free the 100 and 136 hostages Hamas still holds. This after South Africa's lawyers argued on Thursday that Israel's leaders were intent on destroying the Palestinians as a group in Gaza. Following 7 October, Israel deployed 6,000 bombs per week. Her name's Hassim. At least 
200 times it has deployed 2,000 pound bombs in southern areas of Palestine designated as safe. On Friday, Israel pushed back. The Genocide Convention was not designed to address the brutal impact of intensive hostilities on the civilian population. The Convention was set apart to address a malevolent crime of the most exceptional severity. Israel's lawyers also arguing the genocidal acts were committed by Hamas on October 7th when more than 1,200 Israelis were killed. But if there has been acts that may be characterized as genocidal, then they have been per perpetrated against Israel. Outside the court, the public's divisions and frustrations on clear display. I'm waiting to see evidence uh, of things they said because I think there's a lot of things that, uh, uh, a lot of information that is misleading um, and that is uh, not really accurate. And so I'm waiting to see the, the, the evidence that they're about to bring forth. Nearby, pro-Israel supporters had laid a table for Shabbat with places set for hostages still inside Gaza. On October 7th, Israel was under attack. People were killed, murdered, butchered, raped, burned alive. And today, we are the ones who are supposed to give explanations? It's unbelievable. The question of whether Gazans are the victims of a genocide could take years for the court to rule on. Far more pressing, the question of if and how it will ask Israel to stop its war. If what Israel is doing is genocide, you're all a bunch of genocidal maniacs. Your country has committed genocide numerous times. My own uncles and grandfathers are guilty of genocide if that is the definition of genocide. What America did in Vietnam, in North Korea, in World War II, and World War I is genocide according to that definition. That's how stupid this is. And that's how stupid everyone calling it genocide is. It's sickening. And, Amen. and the, the silence from so many is deafening. It really is amazing. To, but we always point this out. Don't forget, Jesus said it would be like this. Everybody you know who denies that the Jews in Israel today are the Jews, you're looking at somebody who's full of the devil and is fulfilling Bible prophecy. Everybody who is anti-Israel right now that you know is full of the devil and is fulfilling Bible prophecy right now. They are exactly who the Bible talked about would be here at the end time generation who would hate the Jews. Why? They don't even know why. You talk to them, they can't even give you reasons for, the, for why they hate the Jews. In Japan and places where there are no Jews, they hate the Jews and they can't even tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because their father, the devil, hates the Jews. Because our Savior is a Jew. And he's going to return and rule and reign on a throne in Israel. King of the Jews. That's why. And with this guy, makes more sense than a lot of conservatives. You know we're in trouble here in America. And now let's also talk about that. Now we're talking about genocide. 
And now South Africa now is now bringing that kind of a, a trial. Maybe South Africa being able to sit this one out when they're talking about criticizing. <laughs> more sense than most so-called Republicans and a lot of conservatives. And what he's talking about is that in South Africa, the, there's a minority of blacks in that country who belong to a communist, Marxist political party. And they want to genocide not just the whites, everyone who's not a part of their political party. But they focus a lot of their attention to killing white farmers. That's the face of the uh, party. And he has, is on video in front of stadiums that are about twice the size of Ohio Stadium here, filled with supporters singing and chanting about killing white farmers. Can you imagine that? Imagine us just filling up Ohio Stadium and saying, kill the Muslims, kill the Muslims, or kill the Palestinians, kill them all. That's what they do here. And you, some of you probably never even heard of this before. So they call the whites. Here, I guess, if you're not called white, you're called a honky. Cracker. <laughs> Over there, you're a boar. A lot of, most white people I know are boars, but anyway, that's another story. <laughs> so Jew haters, regardless of their skin color, have a satanic spirit of murder in their hearts. You find that. What happens every time these Jew haters get the power to kill? They kill the Jews. Every time. And they just don't have the power here in America yet. John 8, 44. Ye are of your father the devil, yeah. and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of all these anti-Israel, anti-Jews, whether they're you know white liberals or any other race here in America, whether they're uh, South African black leaders or they're in Europe and as white as a driven snow, doesn't matter. They have a black soul in darkness. A dark foul spirit is what you would call it because they are of their father the devil. That's why they lie and lie and lie. That's what drives them. Now on another issue, flashback. Do you remember this from Last year, I think it was the Sunday before Martin Luther King Jr. Day, I showed this. Uh, that's, this is the statue that's supposed to be a, a tribute to Martin Luther King Jr. And we were just laughing about it. I didn't say much else about it because it, it looked terrible. I just couldn't figure out what it was. Well, someone showed me recently, so I thought I'd give you an update a year later. Um, there's the more, here's a close-up of it. And then that's what that's all there is to it. And I found out it's a loose representation of this photo. Oh. oh. 
Here, and then here's the angle where you might see the resemblance there. It's still ugly, but at least we know what it's supposed to be. <laughs> it's, if you compare the two, I'll show you later, but if you compare the two, there's, a, there's an artistic similarity there. But he's not married. It's headless. But that's Coretta. That, that's his wife. Where does Ringo? He's got a ring on. Not in the statue. That's true. They didn't put his wedding ring on the Did statue. Very good eyes. That's something. I never paid attention to that. It's still hideous. It's still hideous. <laughs> but the family did get upset about that. Yeah, they did. They didn't like it. Yeah, and who could blame them? You know. But uh, I'm sure, you know, the guy probably meant well, but I think they had a committee and they chose, you know, so what does him... Yeah, he was he was special too. He's part of the uh, special class of uh, LGBTQ or whatever. So that's another reason they picked him. And number three, just uh, real quick, Ohio House did vote to override the Dorino, I mean Dewine uh, veto of uh, HB sixty eight, and so that's good. But uh, now has to go to the Senate. The prediction is that it will be even more lopsided than the Ohio House vote. We pray it will be. But you can still contact your state senator and ask your state senator to vote for the override. You go to ohiosenate.gov. There's a place where you put your address in. If you don't know who your representative is, go right there. And then you click on the map wherever you live, and it shows you your representative. Click on the link next to their face and contact them by email or phone or write a letter. Um, if you can afford the stamp. <laughs> Has it gone up yet? They say it's going to be like 68 cents now? Okay, is it 68 cents now? I'm old enough to remember 10 cent stamps. <laughs> but uh, anyway, be informed and pray accordingly. Anybody like to? Johnny, we'll start with you. So just, it's interesting that the that chant you were showing there is specifically, it's not just whites, it's white farmers. Yeah, it seems, doesn't that seem to? Well, it's 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 similar to the same uh, policies of Bolsheviks in Russia because it was the farmers who owned the land and and uh, were seen as the bad guy. But it's interesting that communism. No wonder they have trouble with workers or getting people to work. Is this that they? They tend to kill all the workers? Well, they do kill a lot, but they also give you no incentive to do anything but collect your paycheck. No matter how hard you work or how good you are at your job, you make no more money than everybody else. And so there's, that's why they lost incentive and everybody became drunks in Russia because there was nothing to live for. Uh, drunkenness, alcoholism, uh, went through the roof during the 20th century under communist Russia. And will in any drugs and alcohol go through the roof in any country that turns to socialism or Marxism, which is why drugs and alcohol are going through the roof here in America, because we're becoming more socialistic and we're losing incentive to even try. You go make, I, I probably could uh, let Ron put on a, um, you know, a demonstration sometime to tell you about all the red tape and regulation and taxation and how much of the profit that should belong to him goes to things, you know, and we have two or three people I know that deal with that stuff. 
It's just, um, and then the people who work for you, their paychecks cut in half. So, you know, you lose incentive to work whenever the government's going to take between 40 and 75 percent of what you make. That's socialism, and that's where we're at. Mary? I think the reason why people uh, say they don't like the Jews and they don't know why, I think it's so their social credit score won't go down. They're like uh, peer pressure to be liked by the world. Yeah. And um, I, it's ironic that, you know, they're accusing Israel of genocide, and yet it's all these other Muslim countries that are out in the streets saying, kill the Jews, yeah. kill Americans. From the river to the sea is a and genocide. And in Israel. Yeah. And then I had a question. Um, the one guy that was uh, being interviewed or whatever for the accusation in South Africa... He said 1,200 have died, and then you had 1,200 up there. So I'm just wondering, was it the 1,200 from October 7th or right. 1,200 plus another 1,200? Plus, plus another. If okay. It, yeah. Yeah. And then, like I say, it's not that we don't care about the Gazans, the uh, people in, in Gaza or the West Bank that are dying, um, but A... The polls show that 70 to 80% of them support what Hamas did on October 7th. They get what they ask for. B, we can't trust the numbers coming out. The numbers are being provided by terrorist organizations who lie. So we don't know how many are actually dying as a result of the war. Uh, and the United Nations is a terrorist organization too. So we don't trust their numbers either. And they prove that. We've talked about how the United Nations works and functions as an anti American anti-Israel organization. Tracy? As of last night, I saw late last night that the White House is under siege. Yeah, it's, it's, they're still outside the gates and everything, but they were trying to, they're pro-Palestinian uh, protesters jumping over the gate and trying to get in, and they were throwing things, but not really any serious breach going on. But they did empty most of the uh, staff out of the White House and uh, took them to another place. That, that was last night. Yeah, that's a protest. Exactly. That's not an insurrection. Not an insurrection. Yeah. Well, I mean, in an unrelated thing, I mean, we've all been for a long time. Now there's no character, integrity, and honor in this society anymore. Yeah. And we saw a small example of that Monday night when an organization that cheated without character, integrity, or honor, was awarded a title. And, you know, I don't know about you all, but I'm in mourning. Yeah. Not just because, not because they're a rival, but because uh, they would have won it fair and square. Hey, no beef with that. Yeah, they, but the fact that they won it without character, integrity, and honor... And so many people are celebrating that. Yeah. It's very disturbing. Mm -hmm. But then again, should we expect anything else? Right. I mean, the, the cheating and everything is, is just infecting every, every part of our culture. Yeah. And just think about all the girls over the last two or three years who have spent their entire lives working to win something only to be defeated by a man claiming to be a woman. And all the devils who have supported that robbery of our young women in this country. I mean, on and on we could go with the examples of everything. And ESPN, by the way, whose reason I didn't watch that travesty is, number one, I wouldn't have probably if I could have, but I 
couldn't, I didn't, because it was on ESPN, and you have to pay uh, to pay pay for cable TV, which to each his own. But I think it's a rip off, and I won't ever buy get cable again. And ESPN itself then this week had to return thirty Emmys that they were given, and those Emmys were given to people who don't even exist in some cases. <laughs> So you talk about the infection and lack of integrity in sports, but who owns ESPN? Disney. And Disney is infected from top to bottom. And on and on we could go then, who does Disney own? And all the corruption and all, you know, it's just, so uh, we, but we have two things we do. Number one, we see what's going on, pray about it, stand up against it when you can, but also understand your God told you ahead of time what's happening. And so he's not caught off guard. We've read the back of the book, and who wins? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus wins, and we're in Christ, we win. Amen. Amen. All right, well, let's go to prayer and then get into our Bible study. And uh, you'd have Brother Brian back there, if you would, open the Bible study prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gathering today. We pray. Israel and all other countries and people experiencing this what is apparently injustice it's so obvious but we know you're in control we trust you we thank you for our ability to come here and worship together yeah. freely and we pray that you continue to give us wisdom, courage, and guidance and we pray this in Jesus' name Amen Amen Sister Jenny is going to sing a song. She didn't write this one, but I asked her to sing it because it segues right into our Bible study. And uh, that's, that's I think, in the set early 70s. That was about 15. Yeah. Yeah, 15. <laughs> they changed a bit. Yeah. I did write the last verse here. Yeah, she added the verse You've heard the story about Paul and Silas, how they were bound and thrown in the jail. They did not worry, they kept on praying. They were serving a God who could not fail. Then long about midnight, God said an Oh, that mighty man did fall. 
concept down and you're you're observing that with knowledge now you see the transition going from mosaic law to the gospel of the grace of god we're now seeing the acts of the apostles as the transition spreads uh, now some bibles if you look at uh, the beginning of the book of acts in your bible uh, mine says the acts of the apostles does yours say that on the very first page of the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. A lot of preachers over the years, you, I've heard and you'll hear, uh, they'll say a better title would have been the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Well, uh, that's just kind of, sometimes preachers like to sound, you know, real smart. And they'll say stuff like that. Um, but the Holy Spirit is doing way more than what we're seeing told in this book. Uh, this is specifying what the Holy Spirit is doing with the acts of the apostles themselves and in their ministry and in their presence. So don't change the title of your Bible no matter what anybody says. Uh, 
And so that's what we're seeing. So beginning verse 12 through verse 19, I'm going to have you read the even verses with me, uh, beginning in verse 12. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he, beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and there abode. Amen? Amen. So Peter is free, as the song we just heard you know, Jenny sang, he's a free man. He heads out then to join a prayer meeting that's taking place. <laughs> so we're going to see as he comes to the door, we're going to listen to his report, and then we're going to see that the guards are executed. And we'll discuss that for a few minutes. But uh, beginning in verse 12, Peter is at the door. Uh, and that takes us verses 12 through 15. Verse 12, and when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John. We talked about last week how there's so many Herods, and uh, keeping them straight is uh, not easy. There's also a number of Marys, <laughs> and so you got to keep that in mind. When you see the, the name of Mary, it's not uh, always the mother of Jesus, and here it's uh, said to be the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. Well, there's another thing. And this seems difficult. People say, well, the Bible's so hard to understand. If you give it the effort, you give your favorite hobby or your favorite book series or your favorite TV series or your favorite video or whatever, video games, then it's not that hard. The problem is, is it takes effort. And people would, they, they just want the Bible to just be easy to understand, no effort required, and so what do they do? That's when they turn to the NIVs and the ESVs. And they don't care that those Bibles are corrupt. They don't care that they take out, you know, thousands of words, whole verses ripped out. They don't, because it's easier to understand. And we've talked about this before. Is what you're reading, if it's easier to understand, is that more important than it being accurate? Yep. I could give you directions from here to someplace in California. And you're like, oh, that looks easy. But what if I left out half a dozen of the turns you're supposed to take? That's your NIV. That's your new version. And so uh, when we see this John, whose surname is Mark, his name is called sometimes John Mark, but we know him as Mark. And we'll come across him uh, numerous other times. Why would they say John Mark and then just call him Mark? Same reason we have to, you know... <laughs> 
we have so many Johnnies around here. Uh, Johns and Johnnies, and you know, sometimes we have to call them first, second, third, and fourth John, you know. <laughs> Speaking of, Johnny, did you yes. want to say something? Yeah, basically, you just said it, but that's another more evidence of how real the Bible is. I mean, that happens here all the time in yeah. our world. So many people with the same name. Yeah. Sometimes you can read fiction and they'll make sure everybody's got a different name. Mm -hmm. You're like, that's not the real world. <laughs> uh, I grew up with being called Miller all the time because there were so many Gregs, you know, and that kind of thing. <laughs> so the home of Mark's mother, Mary, where a prayer meeting for Peter is taking place. Think of that. The reason they're here praying together is because of Peter being in prison. Now, what do you think they're praying? Dear Lord, we pray for Peter's protection and safety, and we pray that you get him out of there and that he's a free man. Amen? Would that be what you pray? Yeah. Okay. Well, verse 13. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And uh, Rhoda, by the way, is a name that means a rose. Just an interesting thing there. And then verse 14. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told Peter, uh, told how Peter stood before the gate. If that doesn't hit you as comical, you're sleeping. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're praying for Peter and praying to be released. Who comes to the door and knocks? Sorry, Momo. Uh, <laughs> Peter's at the door. And so what's she do? She keeps the door shut and runs to tell everybody. I mean, it's just amazing. I, I made note of this, but if you, if you watch for that, you'll see that a lot of comedy routines and skits and scenes in movies have used that same effect, that same uh, idea to great effect, as I put it on the... But they, they I, I can't tell you how many times you'll see comedies where that kind of thing happened. And uh, it had to be comical to Peter to some extent. He knocks on the door and she just leaves the door shut and runs. <laughs> So in verse 15, then she goes in, it says, uh, and they said unto her, thou art mad. <laughs> okay, think of it. They're praying for Peter to be released from prison, and he's released. And Rhoda says, he's here. You're crazy. <laughs> You're nuts. But haven't you ever uh, responded to answered prayer just like that? There's times where I pray for stuff with, they, you hear people say, pray with faith believing. I've prayed a lot of times with no faith believing. Words just came out of my mouth because I believe in God and I'm supposed to pray for things. But even as I'm saying it, I have no faith. Not that I don't have faith that God is and that he's real, but I had no faith. I did not believe God was going to answer that prayer. I don't know why. I mean, if you think about it, can you give me a list of things that's too hard for God? No. <laughs> There's no list. And, but we pray that way, and a lot of times we just have no real expectation of answered prayer. And then when it is answered, you're just like, that can't, that didn't just happen. There's no, I mean, I'm not kidding you. There was one time I didn't have a car. I didn't know how I was going to get to work. I wasn't near the bus line. I was trying to think of who am I going to call and have them come pick me up. There's nobody, it would be an inconvenience to say the least for anybody that I worked with to come and get me. I didn't know anybody else who worked in the area. I was just at my wit's end. 
and praying. I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I, I'm just calling on you and saying, this is it. I'll call off work till I run out of my sick days and then they'll put, write me up and fire me if I can't get a job. I mean, can't get a car to get to my job. And so I did. The next day I called off sick. I made some phone calls. I talked to some people. All dead ends. Couldn't think of anything. I didn't have much savings at the time. And then I thought, this is in the early days of internet. I'm like, I'm just going to get away from this for a little bit. Get on my computer. Open my email. Oh, what is that? Okay. Dear Greg, I don't know why, but the Lord just told me to give you my car. As <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is my witness. Amen. That's good. And so, what did I do? Is this a scam? <laughs> no, that I know that name. I know she'd never do that to me. I type back, are you sure? <laughs> About 10 minutes later, oh, yes. If you can't use it, I'll find someone. No, no. <laughs> and that's how I got. And I drove that car until after I married Jenny. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to say the lady's name. But great is her reward. And just amazing. And you're like, how did that happen? I'm sure everybody's got a story. Uh, yeah. I was, um, I didn't have any money and I was, had to go to work. And I couldn't, I didn't have any money to take the bus. So I'm walking and it's winter and I'm freezing. And I, I continued on. I'm like, Lord, as long as I make it to work, I'll be okay. And then, you know. See if I can borrow a couple of dollars from my boss and to get the bus home. So I'm going along, and all of a sudden this person stops and they honk at me and they stop, roll their window down. Ma'am, can we help you? I said, Well, I'm just going to work. I said, You know, I'm walking. How far is your job? I said, just a few miles up the street. I said, You know, I said I'll get there. A little late, but I'll get there. And they're like, Come on. I'll take you to work. Yeah. So we're we're talking, you know, she's saying, well, do you do this all the time? I said, no, it's just that, you know, I'm between paychecks and didn't have the money to take the bus. And I said, but, you know, I figured I'd make it. Yeah. So she gets me there and she pulls up and she, you know, says, I hope you have a nice day at work and everything. I said, yeah. I said, thank you very much for the ride. So she shook hands with me and I'm like looking down, she handed me a $20 bill. And she said, you use that for the bus. Now, and I, I know looking around, I've heard some of your stories. I know we could spend another hour at Amen. least just, uh, well, the, that would just be the all balls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Amen. But the, bigger, the question related to the text, though, is how many times did you get that kind of an answer and you responded like that? Yeah. Yeah. Or someone came to you with news of an answered prayer, and you're like, this person's crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. Well, so we can all, it, here's how I pictured the conversation. They're in there praying, oh, Lord, we pray for you. Deliver Peter from prison. Hey, Peter's at the door. You're crazy. That's not even possible. <laughs> someone said, wait a minute. Isn't that what we were just praying for? 
So that's why I picture that going on. But then said they, look at this. How do they respond then? It is his angel. Now, uh, it evidently, it looks like they could believe his guardian angel was there, but not Peter himself. <laughs> I mean, think of that. Uh, they believed, they couldn't believe Peter was there. Oh, it's his angel. Like, that's not even a even more amazing miracle. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that it would be his angel was in their in their idea, according to uh, some sources, one idea of a guardian angel is that it looks and sounds like the person being guarded. So uh, that's where some of the you gotta be careful with the doppelganger thing because uh, we all joke about that because how many of you have seen somebody that looks a lot like you? I've had people send me a picture of somebody um, and Sometimes I'm like, you're blind. <laughs> that does not look like me. One lady on a bus there, said, I know, you're doppelganger. And I didn't even know what that term meant. And she said, you look just like Huey Lewis. <laughs> I'm saying, lady, you need a new drug. <laughs> but I don't think I look like Huey I even had some hair, by the way, back then. But even with hair, I don't look anything like Huey Lewis. But that's the idea, is that your guardian angel is supposed to look and sound like you. And that's a, not a biblical idea, by the way. John Wesley mentioned this. It was a common opinion among the Jews that every man had his particular guardian angel. That, I don't believe, is unbiblical. Who frequently assumed both his shape and voice. I find nothing in the scripture that teaches that. And he says, John Wesley says, but this is a point on which the scriptures are silent. Meaning the Bible doesn't actually teach that part of the idea. But the concept of each person having an assigned angel is absolutely biblical. And I've heard people claim, oh, there's nothing biblical about the idea of a guardian angel. Wait a minute. There's all kinds of things that the world uses phrases and means something. Of course, that's not biblical. Um, but if you just define a guardian angel as an angel that guards you, <laughs> of course that's biblical. I want you to compare Scripture to Scripture always when you hear that kind of thing. Turn to Matthew chapter 18. In uh, Matthew chapter 18, and verse 10. Matthew 18, verse 10. Alright, if you're there, read that with me. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you, that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Now, I'm just dumb enough to take the Bible face value. <laughs> and I've heard preachers talk around this and dance around this. Well, what's it say? It says that these little ones have angels. And that's the concept of a guardian angel. And it says that they uh, behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. Um, now that gets into the concept of the angels uh, being uh, basically able to travel at the speed of thought kind of thing. And uh, it doesn't mean always as in uh, every moment of eternity, there's angels right there in front of the Father, you know, because... They have assignments and they do certain things. But it's like it says, pray without ceasing. That's the kind of idea here. That they're always uh, before the Father any time 
that there's a need. Now, that's going into a, a world that we do not understand. Uh, we don't understand how angels function, actually. We're told they do some things, and we believe what the Bible tells us, but uh, we don't really get a, a big picture of the angelic world. That is probably because it would blow our minds. <laughs> it's probably because we wouldn't even be able to, you know, uh, you know, wrap our minds around some of this stuff if we knew what the angelic world was about. But the Bible clearly says that angels minister by God's will for us. Turn over to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1. And verses 13 and 14. Hebrews 1, 13 and 14. Verse 13 says, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Now referring, he's referring to the angels. Read verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? That's the basic concept of what we call a guardian angel. And again, what you have to be careful of is don't be fooled by the world and Hollywood and false religion when they put their own definitions into those terms, guardian angel. But don't throw the baby out of the bathwater, as they say. There's a lot of Christians who no longer refer to the spirit-filled life because of the stuff they see on TBN and in charismatic uh, circuses. You know, they, they think, well, I don't want anything to do with that. Wait, the Bible teaches the spirit-filled life. And be not drunk with wine wearing his excess, but be filled with spirit. That's a commandment. So don't throw the spirit-filled life out of your mind and out of your thinking, but just don't be suckered into the counterfeits. And on and on we could go with all kinds of examples of that that we've talked about. But the Bible clearly also says um, that we're not even aware when angels are in our presence. Turn over to Hebrews uh, 13. Just a few pages over. Hebrews 13. And verses 1 and 2. Verse 1 just says, Let brotherly love continue. Then read verse 2 with me. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Do you believe your Bible? Then you've had angels in your presence at times and you don't even know. And uh, it's fun to kind of think back and guess at when that might have been. Um, but sometimes there's clues to tell you they're not. But other times, you know, things happen and you're like, wow. I can't wait to get to heaven and find out if that was like, you know, one of the, the angel named Fred, you know, that, that would be my angel. You guys might get Gabriel or somebody. I've got Fred or I got Clarence. Clarence. <laughs> Every time a bell rings, get yeah. it. Um, I had a car one time, broke down, an accident in a parking lot in a terrible area, and John prayed that um, God would take care of it. Uh, when I finally got it back a few weeks later, I talked to this one friend. She said, was that your car in the parking lot? I said, yes, it was. She said, 
Well, I came up to it and I could just feel angels around it. <laughs> yeah. And God took care of it. We're talking a bad neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, they let the wheels on. I, I had a fella, I thought you were going to tell this type of story, but I had a fella tell me that his car broke down and he left it along the side of the road. And then uh, uh, he got a phone call from the local sheriff, a deputy, and said that, uh, why'd you leave your car? Uh, and he said, well, I didn't have money to have a towed and I didn't have any way to fix it, so I was going to come back tomorrow. And he said, well... Didn't you call anybody? He said, no, I didn't call anybody. Uh, I don't have any money to pay anybody to tow it or anything. He said, well, I pulled up on it. There was some fellow working on it. And uh, then I, he said he'd have it running for you. And uh, the the guy said, who was it? He said, I don't know. He said, uh, he told me he'd have it running for you. And that's all he told me. And so that guy then gets his car, uh, gets in the car with a friend. They drive him over. He gets in the car, starts right up, and uh, that was all there was to it. He didn't know who the guy was. The cop didn't know who the guy was. I joked. I said, that was the angel goober. (laughs) 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 You Andy Griffith fans. Brian? I have a question. Aren't they sent, uh, under the understanding, they're also sent to test you as well? Is that true? No, the angels don't uh, 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 test you, although... Uh, in biblical accounts, God used them, but God's the testing. God's right. testing. Because I had the most bizarre experience in my 20s. I lived in a small town in northwest Ohio. This young person came to my door, claimed he was a college student with an Australian accent. An Australian accent. And all he wanted was some water. He's coming here selling art. You have an Australian accent, and your summer job is to walk into a town in northwest Ohio. So small. Oh, so you're saying, okay, you're saying, so uh, he's seeing if you'll. If I would give him. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, that's possible, um, but that's true whether the guy's an angel or not. Right. You know, you should give him water, you know, so God will arrange that with human beings to see what you do, too. Yeah. So the Bible never says that we are to attempt to communicate with them, especially by some mystical means. I have to point that out. I've actually had people contact me and, and say, you know, how do we contact our angels? How do we communicate with them? And I'm like, you do not. You know, that's that's a, uh, these are the kind of books. I've actually seen some of these books in so-called Christian bookstores. Uh, this one's called a guidebook to angel talk, learning how to communicate with angels. The one in the middle, how to communicate with angels is the title of that book. <laughs> then the one on the right, communicate with your angels, a guide for beginners. No, <laughs> do not contact any spirits, any kind of community. You are to pray to your heavenly father in the name of Jesus. That's your communication into the spirit world to the father. We are not to have any communications. We do not adore, adulate, or pray to or worship angels in any way, shape, or form. I just want to uh, look at this before we move on. In uh, Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, verse 18. And it's a warning. Yeah. Yeah. Colossians 2, 18, if you're there, read it. 
Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. They'll pretend it's spiritual. It's mystical. There's a difference between mystical and spiritual. Mystical is occult. Mystical is not biblical. Mystical is wrong. Put it bluntly. And no, it says, let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels. Don't get sucked into that. Uh, the New Age movement is full of that sort of stuff. But uh, the cults get into that um, in a big way. But a lot of the charismatic uh, crowd and a lot of the charismatic preachers that uh, are false teachers, and they'll tell you, uh, I've mentioned William Branham, who denied the Trinity, but is a hero of the charismatic movement, and he used to talk about an angel, that he would get up and start to minister, and until he saw that angel, he couldn't do anything and wouldn't do anything, but then that angel would appear, and then he would do what he did. I, who somebody said earlier, they're they could be devils. That, that's what I think. Yeah, it, some of them are. Yes. All that Jesus calling, those books have a lot of New Age terminology. Jesus calling, yeah, that's a dangerous set of books to read. A lot of mysticism, and then she it was involved in a pseudo Christian denomination, the Seventh Day Adventist, and they're very. Uh, they have a, a false gospel of works, so. Folks, Satan is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And so you better be very careful you get in this stuff. By the way, these are not biblical angels. Yeah. If you look at this, uh, biblical angels never said to be female. Right. So if a so-called angel shows up and has breasts, not an angel. Well, men have breasts. Not boobs. Man boobs. No man boobs on the angels. You know, they don't show up uh, with blue jeans and big wings like that. The Bible never describes an angel like that. Or even a male like this. The Bible never talks about them exposing their nipple, you know, exposing their bodies. They're, they're always clothed and in white clothing and sometimes said to glow. But any, any depiction of an angel with wings and skin, and female especially, not a biblical angel. So we say this, believe in angels, keep it biblical. Amen? Amen. Uh, by the way, it's about two years ago we did a study in Psalms on this and covered some various other things we're not going to have time to be into today. Psalm 91, I think, is the text. It was a couple of years ago. You can look that up for... More of that. But let's come back to our text in Acts chapter 12. And so they are saying, it is his angel. Well, no. Now in this case, we know one thing for sure. It's not an angel. It's Peter in the flesh. And verse 16. But Peter continued knocking. <laughs> she runs off. Hey, hey! I'm sorry, I'm, I'm messing with you. <laughs> no, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. God has answered prayer. It's astonishing. 
In verse 17, but he, beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, he's like, all right, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison, which is our previous study. He recounts how he ends up out of prison. Then he said, go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. So this is uh, a different James than the in verse 1 of Acts 12. Uh, in verse 2, he says, And Herod killed James, the brother of John. So the apostle James, or James of Zebedee, is dead. And um, this is the natural half-brother of Jesus. Uh, Jesus' mother, Mary, after she was, she was a virgin, conceived Jesus, gave birth to him. After he was born, contrary to the Roman Catholic and Orthodox teaching on this. They deny this, but it, the Bible teaches that Mary then became a normal wife to Joseph. They had sexual relations like married couples are supposed to, and Mary had children. And the Roman Catholic and Orthodox churches deny that. They'll deny that they that Mary they call her it's called the perpetual virginity of Mary. It's a totally false doctrine. And uh, so Mary had other children, and James was one of them. This James, unlike the apostle, he didn't even believe in Jesus until after his bodily resurrection. Real quick, let's run two references to see this. In John chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, I'll read while you're turning there. Verse 3, his brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence, and go into Judea, that this that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. This is his Jesus' fleshly half-brothers, including James, that we're reading about here in Acts. And they're basically kind of mocking Jesus at this point. In verse 4, they say, they're talking to Jesus. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. In other words, they're saying, if you're for real and you're really doing miracles, then let's go up there and let's see you put on a show. That's his half-brothers, including James. Look at verse 5. Read that. For neither did his brethren believe in him. That's referring to his half-brothers who were brought into this world through Joseph and Mary. And at this point, they don't even believe in Jesus. But then, what happens by the time we start the book of Acts? Some of you recall this. Go over to Acts chapter 1. And verses 13 through 14. And I'll read 13. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, which is another James, and Simon Zelotes and Judas the brother of James. Judas Iscariot has uh, betrayed Jesus, is no longer counted among the apostles. And now read verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brother. So now the half-brothers of Jesus are with their mom in the upper room, which will be where Pentecost begins, the next chapter. And something's changed. What changed with Jesus' half-brothers? between John 7 and here. A thing called the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
By the time he's crucified, they're probably all under great conviction. They've seen enough and heard enough. But then he's crucified, and like everybody else who didn't know their Bible, Jesus' half-brothers were probably mourning the loss of their loved one and also thinking, wow, he was a fraud. And then after three days and three nights, up from the grave he arose. <laughs> and suddenly his brethren are saying, wow. And they see him. And they're here with Mary, their mother, as we began the book of Acts. So the brother of Jesus is also the one who authored the book of James in your Bible. The half-brother, as we say. So Peter goes off to a safe place, and we turn back to the site of the prison break, back in Acts 12, verses 18-19. So now our focus shifts, and we're back to the place of the prison break. And verse 18 says, Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers, what was become of Peter? Do you imagine what it was like? Every time we have a prison break, they know he broke out, and they know how he got out, and they know he's on the loose, and there's all points bulletins out, and it's on the news. Well, that same sort of thing happened <laughs> when Peter was out, but they couldn't explain how he got out. There was no evidence of a prison break. And you remember how it happens. So to them, it seemed like he just vanished into thin air. Okay, well, look what happens in verse 19. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers. And they probably told him the story. Well, he just vanished. Not very believable, huh? Not to Herod, it's not. It says, and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and their abode. So this was standard Roman policy. That's why, you know, when Jesus rose from the dead and was not found in that empty tomb, the soldiers were there and it was sealed. The idea that there was some kind of scam going on is just beyond belief because of the policy of Rome that if you had, you were supposed to have a prisoner, and that would include a body in a tomb, and it disappears, you're dead. But Herod himself, he tucked tail and retreated in shame over this because he was trying to please the Jews. He killed James and then imprisoned Peter and Peter has disappeared. The sad fact is that these soldiers died and went to hell. Do you think of that when you read that? Do you think of that? We should think in terms of biblical truth and people are souls. When I see what's going on in Israel and all those people dying over there, including most of the Jews, it's just sad because both sides are dying and going to hell without Jesus Christ for the most part. Every once in a while there's a believer, but most of them on both sides. We could get into some very uncomfortable discussions where Christians seem to check out and pretend that they're not really Bible-believing Christians. On 9-11, preachers all over the country said when those people died in those buildings, if they weren't saved, they went to hell. And you aren't guaranteed you'll come home tomorrow when you go to work on Monday. 
And you could die in some terrible way that is sad, some way that just no one should ever die like that. And yet if you do die that like that without Christ, you go to hell. Yeah. That's just the reality. And people don't like that. People don't like to talk in real terms. We've been talked out of speaking in clear, simple terms because people just don't want to hear it. Do it anyway. Speak plainly to people. Make sure that no matter how they feel about it, that they hear the truth. The wicked perish. The wicked go to hell. If you reject Jesus Christ, he had, these, these soldiers had apostles in their midst. I'm sure heard the gospel. And yet, rejecting Christ, they went to hell. Psalm 37, 20, But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into smoke. Shall they consume away? All who reject Jesus Christ have that as their future destiny. Now, Peter would have led them to Christ. Our enemies can become our friends. All they have to do is hear the gospel and believe and they suddenly become your best friend. Remember that. People who might, you feel like they're like these soldiers imprisoning you. People who are enemies of yours in their own minds. Preach the gospel and pray for them because the moment they get saved, they'll be your best friend. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Isn't it? Well, I feel like the liberals have been under attack in some places and I think what they have is they want this moral superiority in their own mind. Yeah. With rejecting the Bible, they think yeah. our morality comes from God's word. Amen. Yeah. And then, you know, they convince themselves it's not true. The Bible's not true. Uh, some famous author yesterday went viral on Twitter for saying the Bible's fiction and all this stuff. Of course, they have no. They have to reject real science. They have to reject all the historical evidence. But you and I, we learn these things. We share these things, and that's all we can do and pray for them. Because there have been many people. I was one of them at one point, about 1987, 88, right in there. If you'd known me, I wasn't up preaching the gospel. I was denying it. I would argue with you against it. But I didn't really have a lot of evidence or anything. But I thought I was pretty well convinced until I started seeing the real evidence. And then God started working on me, and that's when I became a Christian. So, Peter would have led them to Christ, but we can only rescue the willing. Don't get discouraged by the fact that people reject the gospel when you preach it to them. You can only do what you can do. You can only rescue the willing. I'm sure Peter hated to hear those soldiers being killed. But I'm sure he also said, well, I tried. And that's all you and I can do. The question is, don't allow the world and the things of the world to get in the way of your trying. Make sure it's a priority in your life that you want to see people saved and you give out those gospel tracts. You try to have those conversations. Pray for the lost. Pray for them in your personal prayer time. I told you, we can't take the name of every lost person everyone in this room knows and pray for them every time we get together. But when you are alone with God, you pray for the people we don't even know in your life that are lost. And watch for opportunities to share the gospel with them. Amen? Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time and your word.
And we thank you for helping us to understand these things about angels, about prayer, about our own nature, our own sad unbelief and doubts, even as believers. Lord, thank you for your mercy, your patience, and your long-suffering. We just ask now that each one of us continues in the Word, continues in our growth, closer to you, praying without ceasing, hiding your Word in our hearts, that we might not sin against thee, preaching the Word in season, out of season, preaching the Gospel to every creature, doing all the things that you've commanded that we do in your Word, all for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's sing about rescuing the perishing. Page 432 in your hymn book. Stand if you can. Four thirty-two, all four verses. Tell the poor wanderers 
onliners, send those into bbfohio at protonmail.com. I've got my email right here to look them up. All right, let's say goodbye to the onliners on three. One, two, three. See you here, there, or in the air.